Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And this week, we review the 2011 movie starring Justin Timberlake, In Time. We go to Romance Corner and talk about Amanda Seyfried and Justin Timberlake's connection. We talk about the premise of what would you do if the rest of your lifespan was written in green glowing letters on your arm, counting down. We spend a lot of time trying to talk about what lesson does this movie teach us? And I try multiple times to pronounce Amanda Seyfried. All this and more on Movies on the Side. I think a movie of convenience. Was this a movie of convenience because it was on Amazon Prime? No. No? I don't give you movies of convenience. I give you movies of... Opportunity? <laughs> Three Musketeers was one of convenience, I think. But you could argue. Okay. You could argue. Okay. Maybe that was convenience. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to say that the movie we're doing this week uh-huh. is a movie that is right down... the. It's the head pin of the movies on the side bowling lane. This movie is so us. It fits perfectly with what we do, what we talk about. This is where the side of the bread that we butter. Yeah, okay. That's not the phrase. Hmm. Uh, it's, uh, I get it. Well, I get it. Here we go. It's in our lane. It is so in our lane. This movie is called About Time. It stars... Nope. nope. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Why did I do that? I'm looking at the title right now. I have the Rotten Tomatoes pulled up. Okay. Because it's, ter- it's a terrible movie title. It's a terrible movie title. The title of this movie is In Time. This came out in 2011, starring Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. Is that how you say that? No, I I got you. Oh, you got it? Okay. Steven, I went to the YouTube and I found uh, an interview with Amanda so she could say how she pronounces her name. Oh, very good. It is Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. So you say Cy. Psy is the first one. That's where all of your energy goes. And then you Seyfried. fall off with Fred. Seyfried. Seyfried. She's from Allentown, Pennsylvania. So, okay. Interesting. <laughs> all right. Anyway. So that'll, that'll tell you everything you need to know. Okay. So this movie, sci-fi dystopian future, one of my favorite genres, yes. I'll be honest. And I had seen, like I told you, I saw the last five minutes of this movie in the cardio cinema. <laughs> where yeah, yeah, yeah. I see these kinds of movies. But Nate, what would you guess the Rotten Tomatoes score is for this movie? I'm thinking critics are a lot lower than audience. So I'm going to say critics are like 29 and audience is 53. Wow. Okay, so critics are 36, but audience is 51. That was very yeah, close. Yeah, very yep, close. Yep, yep, yep. I, f- I feel it. I feel it, Stephen. Let me just mention the premise. Because I think yeah, yeah, yeah. if people have no interest in a movie called In Time, which gives no <laughs> indication of what this movie is no about. No indication. The premise yep. of this movie, in the dystopian future, imagine Hunger Games plus Divergent, but money is no longer a thing. And the currency of the world is literal time that you are alive. Yes. When you turn age 25, we're genetically engineered. There was some weird voice. I think Timberlake voices over like in the beginning, basically saying like, don't worry about how this happened. (laughs) Don't worry about how this all came to be. This is where we are. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This is the situation. So just forget the backstory, which I listen. I respect that. Like, this movie's not trying to build an entire universe like Star Wars. It's just saying, like, we're just using this premise for this movie. I respect that. I don't have time to worry about how it happened. It is what it is. Everyone's biologically engineered that when they reach age 25, their body no longer ages. 
So everybody looks 25 years old. And f- when you turn 25, you get one year of currency that is either you live it out or you also have to use it to buy things. And there are parts in this movie where we see a cup of coffee that costs, what, four? Four minutes, yep. And so different things cost an amount of time. When your clock hits zero, you're dead. You do work to earn more time that gets shown on this green uh, number dial on your forearm. So the character Justin Timberlake lives in like one of the slums in this world and everyone is living with just like hours, maybe a day left on their clock. And everyone's trying to make ends meet, which equals time so they can live. And that's the premise. And I think it's a pretty effective one. Yeah, absolutely. This movie stays with me. I saw it pretty early on after it came out, probably back in the Redbox days when that was popular. But the premise is so fun and so interesting and so kind of disturbing. Part of the premise is, too, is you can give time that you have to someone else Mm -hmm. so you can transfer time back and forth you earn it by work or whatever and then there's like groups of people who steal time from others they call it the with the minute men is like the gang you know and then there's also a way where you can arm wrestle someone which it was never clear like is it a physical like you have to turn the arm over But yeah, it's a weird dynamic. I'm not sure if it's a wrist twist thing or if it's more of a willpower, like a mental, yeah. like a mental game. I think it should be a mental thing, but they do have to show it somehow. So they show it with like the wrist twist. Right. And you can also die if you're like shot or hit by a car. So it's not like you're immortal. Right. It's a, you're like an elf. You You can live forever if you have the time, but if you get you know, sliced by an orc, you're, you'll, you're dead. So no spoiler horn this episode. We're just going to talk about it. And but my feeling, I texted you, I think like five minutes into this movie because I've not seen it from the beginning until now. So this was kind of like a first viewing. Mm-hmm. The amount of stress that I felt <laughs> seeing these people on screen with like hours left right. unless they earn or sell something like that is a, such a stressful premise i didn't know if i was going to be able to handle it and i think that speaks to the premise that it's a really interesting idea right justin timberlake is he lives with his mom who is still alive it's this weird dynamic because his mom is the same age as him because everyone looks 25 mm-hmm. even though she is older his mom is played by olivia wilde and they have this exchange where she has to repay a loan and she's going to take a bus home from work. But after she repays the loan, she's only going to have like an hour left. Right. And so she needs Justin Timberlake, her son, to meet her at the bus stop. After he gets paid. After right. he gets paid, yeah. Remember, I'm not here tonight. I got two days work in the garment district. I know. Meet me at the bus stop tomorrow. After I pay off the loan, I won't have long. I'll be there. You know, as soon as the mom was talking to Justin Timberlake about that, here's the first spoiler, if you're listening, listener. As soon as they had that conversation, I was like, this lady's not going to survive 10 minutes in this movie. I just know immediately. Like, not Olivia Wilde only gets 20 minutes into this movie. So you were pretty close. Yeah, I was close. So that conversation happens. And, you know, we see Justin Timberlake go to work. He's working in a factory. The factory underpays him what he, you know, used to be. And again, it's this dystopian future where you have no power over. This is good. You know. and I mean, like, that makes for good dystopian future because you get a sense of sort of the hopelessness of people that are just working in this factory and they'll get paid what they get paid 
Right. And if they there's no recourse. Put up a stink. It's like, well, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to do anything. Like you'll get what you get. <laughs> and don't be upset. Like, and you can't appeal to anyone. And if you fall down dead in the factory, that's just another day. If a couple times in the movie, you see just like bodies laying in the street, and it's it's this weird thing. Like it's not gory because the when someone dies, they just kind of like jerk a little bit and then fall to the ground. Yep. And so these these people are dead, and you realize they ran out of literal time. Right. And when Justin Timberlake is getting his payment from working at the factory. The guy's like, well, what are you going to do? Not take the time I am going to give you? Because if not, you'll literally die. And it's like, oof. Yep. That's a that's tough. And then they go to the bar. Justin Timberlake and his work buddy are in this bar. And this guy is at the bar who has a century on his arm. Matt Bomber from the show White Collar and many other things. Uh, but I'm a big White okay. Collar fan. So gotcha. love seeing him in this. Yeah, and he and he actually did well in this. You know, I think he was a good character. But he has a hundred years on his arm, mm-hmm. and so you could imagine someone who has a hundred years. Meaning, you know, if they spent no quote unquote time slash money, they could live a hundred years. You know, that's what that means. Right. And they could also buy a lot. You know, it becomes clear during the movie that if you have a hundred years, you could basically buy a ton of stuff, be rich, and still live fifty years, spending half of your life or whatever and whatever. So he has a hundred years on his arm. The Minutemen gang come to, you know, I don't know, hurt him or take some of his time. Yep. Justin Timberlake helps him get away. They have this deep conversation. And I think this is the first time where the movie was like, we're actually going to say some things that are going to make you think. Mm-hmm. And this guy who has a hundred years left on his arm basically says, I've already lived a hundred years. Right. And he says this line that I thought was very effective. He said, even if the body can live forever, the mind is not meant to. Right. But the day comes when you've had enough. Your mind can be spent even if your body's not. You know, I thought that was very interesting because I think that may even apply in real life. Not that the mind degrades and dementia and disease, but just that to be alive for hundreds of years or over a hundred years, like that must, that takes a toll mentally as well as physically. And I I just thought that was an interesting premise. Like he was ready to die. Like he was, he was done. The premise of the movie is that people will always try to grasp immortality so that people will always attempt prolong their life indefinitely, even if it means the other people must die. The, the, the quote that Matt Bomber says is something like, for few to be immortal, many must die, or something like that. Right. And Matt Bomber comes to the realization that, like, no, actually, immortality is not what we should be aspiring to. Like, I'm, I'm ready <laughs> right. to die. Right. And so that was interesting. And Matt Bomber says to uh, Justin Timberlake, let me give you my time because I'm done. Mm -hmm. And Justin Timberlake doesn't want to take it right away because, you know, you have this visible clock and green light on your arm. And like walking through a bad part of a neighborhood with a million dollars in cash out in the open, it's the same as like walking around with a hundred years on your arm. People are going to want to take it. Right. So Justin Timberlake doesn't even want it. But overnight... Matt Balmer wakes up first, Justin, you know, they're they're sleeping and hiding in this building from the Minutemen gang. And the guy gives Justin Timberlake the hundred something years. Right. Without Justin Timberlake's consent, basically. And then the guy dies. So now Justin Timberlake has a hundred something years on his arm, and he realizes if he's wise, he can be set for life. Like he and his mom can be good. Right. And so there's a sense of relief and all this stuff. One of the most heartbreaking things is he goes to his friend 
who he works with, and he gives him 10 years, which, again, is like, I don't know, how would you equate that with money? Like, maybe $100,000? Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, like, $50,000. Like, hey, right. thanks for being a good friend. Here's $100,000. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if $100,000, if you're wise with that, you could go a long way. And so he's trying to help his friends so he doesn't, who who is married and has a child. And later in the movie, like, this is one of the most depressing moments, is that we learn that his friend, who he gave the 10 years to, goes and drinks himself to death and wastes it. Right. And the movie over and over again pushes this idea that if you give these quote-unquote poor people, and poor people being those who have like just days or hours left on their clock, if you just give them a ton of time, they won't know how to handle it, and they will misuse it and hurt themselves or others. And it kind of rides this line of like, there are cases where, like Justin Timberlake's friend, he did misuse it, and that was really sad. I don't exactly know what the movie's trying to say, and in, in, we'll get towards the like, the ending moral of the story, <laughs> moral but of the story, in yeah. some ways, I think it does say, like, listen, you know, like, this could be putting a ton of time into the slums isn't necessarily the solution, but kind of at the end, that's what they're doing. I don't know. We'll get to yeah, it at the end. Yeah, it's a little end. convoluted. I'm, I'm quite sure what, yeah, what it's saying. Yeah, but I think the... Johnny Galecki, who plays his friend, who's from Big Bang Theory. I was like, well, what do I know oh, you from? Why, right. why are you in a movie? You should belong in TV only. But <laughs> You would ask the same um, about Justin Timberlake. What, you should be in a music video. Yeah, you should be in a music video. Okay, so we get to Justin Timberlake, who plays Will Salas, trying to meet his mother at the bus station. But the mother can't get on the bus because the rates of the bus trip went from one hour to costing two hours and she only has two hours left well she has like an hour and a half so it's not even like yeah she can't even get she can't even get on the bus so she is left running down the street because she's like a two-hour jog or run away from where she has to go on the bus and the bus driver's like better start running this scene stayed with me in 2011 when i saw it to now because it is so stressful oh yeah to watch his mom go from starting to jog down the street to attempting to find anyone who will just give her some time right and then she's like starting to sprint well then you ask your questions like if if she hadn't had stopped at this place or hadn't had done that she might have made it because she was just seconds away the loaning place yeah closed Right when she gets to the bus stop, so she can't go yes. back there. It's dark. Uh, some person like doesn't let her near him or whatever. And so she is just sprinting down the street. And Justin Timberlake sees her in the distance and starts running towards her. Right. And this scene is so stressful and sad. It is very sad. I'm actually happy that when she gets to him and she dies right before they touch arms because he has a hundred years to give to her right but he just right. can't get to her fast enough i'm happy that in this moment justin timberlake's acting and crying takes me out of it <laughs> that's exactly what i was going to say nate that moment would have been too much if there had been like a really great acting crying moment of him holding yeah. his mom yeah i'm not sure if i would have been able to handle it if it was like denzel washington in that moment <sighs> grieving over his mom like i would have been yeah. done like <laughs> I would have been so done with the movie. Like, I wouldn't be able to go on. But when they, like, it is so stressful and it makes you think and, like, you're on the edge of your seat. And when you realize that she has died, Justin Timberlake's crying 
and mourning is quite possibly the worst that I have ever seen in a movie. Now, he is not a movie actor per se. Like, I get it. It is Anakin Skywalker level, older Anakin level bad crying. It is really bad, and it's like, it literally ruins the moment. And in some ways, thankfully, because it's so heavy. Saves the moment, heavy. right, it's exactly. It's so heavy. But it's also like, man, Justin Timberlake, really? I mean, surely there's some coaching that could have happened there, but it, it's really bad. Like, it doesn't even sound legitimate. <laughs> His mom dying is the catalyst he needs to go. Like, he's planning to go to... New Greenwich. Oh, Elysium. Yeah, New, New Greenwich. Greenwich. Yeah. Whatever their version is. Yeah, it's Elysium. It's, it's whatever. It's New Haven. It's, it's the capital. It's everything. New Haven. Yeah, yeah. And so he makes his way to that which is you know it's interesting there's all these like stops along the way it's very much hunger games like district style right where you have like you know they're called time zones which is fun which is like a little annoying because sometimes they use the word time zone in a location reference Uh and at one in one moment during the movie i was like are they time traveling (laughs) like are time zones in uh, like, is it literally a different time? But not, that's not the case. The time zones are just places people live in relation to their income, money, whatever. Right. It's interesting when he's driving in that car, though, going between time zones, and you have to pay, like, a day, a week, a month. And it's clear that anyone of a lower income would never be able to make this ride and survive. Right. So it's interesting to separate them in that way. This kind of forced, yeah, this forced socioeconomic divide is one of those, I think this movie, just to get a a little bit meta here for a second, I think this movie is most effective when it doesn't slam the moral over your head. Right. But it it lets the moral kind of seep into the sponge cake of your brain. <laughs> and I think the the toll system to get between the time zones and the fact that this is prohibitively expensive. Right. And that people long to maybe have a better way of life, but it is the system is designed to keep them down and to keep them not at this right. really wealthy level. I think that in and of itself, that scene has more impact on me than a main character talking very openly about Darwinian capitalism. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's a little silly, which we can talk about. But when he makes it to New Greenwich and he's in the rich community now, he has 100 years to spend, which will take him some distance. You know, it's not infinite money. There's this idea that he moves quickly everywhere he goes. Like he catches himself running down the street, right. which in where he grew up, you have to do things quickly because you're on the clock. Like literally, you might only have hours left to find more time. But here where people are rich, they can move slowly and waste a few minutes walking here or there. And even the waitress who he goes to a restaurant, the waitress tells him like, you move a little too fast. You know, you're clear. It's, right. You're not from around here. You do everything a little too fast. I think the movie can weave some interesting themes in there where even in our real world today, yeah. there are things people do that can signal, oh, you you know, don't come from money. Or right. if you had money, you wouldn't do this you know, naturally. Like you wouldn't gawk at a $30 steak or whatever. So it, you know, it's interesting how they play that 
not directly, but you know, they imply it enough where it's interesting. Right. Here is a, a space where I think the movie tries to have its cake and eat it too, and I would say doesn't work as well. Is I would say in time kind of shows it doesn't kind of show, it absolutely shows that having a bunch of money and living with the fear of death not driving your car, displaying your car, and living your life this way is not a good way to live, and in general, like pretty cowardly. But it also does spend some moments when Justin Timberlake shows up and spends some of his years to buy the really cool car right, and get the suite and the beautiful place that it also kind of says, like, also, wouldn't it be cool to have a ton of money? Right. It tries both, and it's like, all right, what are you trying to say? That, like, it's actually super baller to have an awesome car and a great suite? Or are you saying that, actually, you should be living more modestly so that other people don't die in the street? (laughs) What's a night here cost? Two months for a standard room. Give me a suite. I don't know if the movie is trying to be this deep. Maybe it is. But the idea that... A suite in the hotel costs a number of months of your life. If you translate that to the real world, we do have a mentality, especially here in America, that the harder you work, the nicer things you'll be able to have. Mm -hmm. But that harder work also typically includes time time spent working. Right. And like whether it's stress or just time not with your family, time not resting like you're trading those times for money and so there is this interesting parallel that it's like is it worth 50 years off your life you know and and they have numbers in this movie that it it stops making sense at a certain point but like is spending 20 years of your life worth having the fancy car which i think might have a real world parallel okay let's go real talk for just a second because i want to hear about you personally steven oh, goodness. if oh. you had a, some glowy numbers on your arm first off what would be the minimum amount that you would have and look down and be like Whew, okay i don't need to be stressed about a constantly counting down clock I mean, what would be nice to have or what's the minimum I would want? What's the minimum you would have and not be checking? Because Justin Timberlake says at some point in time, like, I would have enough time that I wouldn't I wouldn't be checking it all the time. Because if you have a day, you will be checking it all the time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you have five years or more, I wouldn't look at it very often. Yeah, yeah. You feel pretty good. You would need like 30, 20 to 30 years to not also worry about what my work situation is for the next five years. You know what I mean? Well, and also what food is costing you because the five right. years is not five years. Five years is like... Currency plus life. Maybe food. Yeah, currency plus life. Exactly. I also just want to mention this character because the authorities are after Justin Timberlake because they assume this hundred years was stolen mm-hmm. off the guy. And so we enter Cillian Murphy, mm. who plays the character Raymond Leon. He is the Scarecrow from Batman Begins, if you didn't know. Right. And I just want to say, I like him as a character in this movie. And I think as a detective, like, he's believable. And I think he usually brings some good stuff to the scenes. Quite good. And just his, like, ornery, gruff kind of idea about life. And, like, he's been being a detective for 50 years, all this kind of stuff. Yep. I thought he brought some good dimension to the movie. Characters that are meant to be 50 or over, but look like mid-20s. Yes. I like when there are a few of them that can really capture an old soul 
in a 25-year-old body. I think he <laughs> yeah. really comes across as like a 55, 60-year-old cop yes. for his whole life. Yeah. Just like I think whatever Papa Wise. Philippe Wise, played by Vincent yes. Carthiser. He also has the, you know, he feels like he's a Donald Sutherland trapped right, in a young right. man's body. You know who doesn't or never felt like an old person? The Minuteman. Well, the Minuteman, but also Olivia Wilde is his mom. Like, I never believed that she was 50 or 60. I don't know. I, I, sensed, I sensed some maternal pain in her eyes. In the last scene. She is so very beautiful, though. It's very hard for me to see yeah, her as like, the mom of Justin Timberlake. <laughs> like, when they're just hanging out in the house early in the movie, and she, uh-huh. like, hugs him or whatever, it's like, this doesn't feel like mother-son <laughs> relationship. I mean... I think it's meant to kind of throw you off, though. I think I think that's, like, the movie's... Yeah, that's true. Men- ...meant to show you, like, this is not the world you're used to. That's true. Because then, so the rich guy who becomes the antagonist of the movie, Philippe Weiss, his daughter is played by... Amanda Seyfried, who plays Sylvia Weiss. And when they first all kind of meet together, the dad is like to Justin Timberlake, you don't know if she's my daughter, my wife, or my mother. And it's like, whoa, that's weird. But effective, too. But true. (laughs) (laughs) But it's effective. I also love the poker game because Justin Timberlake challenges Philippe Wise to that to that poker game and bets everything basically and when they he finally calls and he has just like 10 seconds left on his arm and everybody can see it he takes the full 10 seconds to reveal his cards like I don't know that's pretty cool it goes to show the juxtaposition between where he's from where he's used to running his clock super low to a bunch of the very rich people who would never even dream of you know having less than 50 years on their right. clock. Which, you know, it does beg the question, if guys like Philippe Weiss are running the show because they have millions of years to spend, who put everybody on a clock to begin with? Like, where are those people? I will refer you back to the first 10 seconds of the movie where Justin Timberlake says... Don't worry about any of this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. We'll talk about this at the very end. But okay. now it is time for Romance Corner. Yes. Because you have said Amanda Seyfried, and it's time to talk about Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. She sees him around New Greenwich some. Then she's near the poker table. Then he whisks her away out to what looks like a very cold body of water. <laughs> and they go swimming out there with their glowing green numbers shining up on them, which is a cool visual. Yes. But he's like the bad boy taking her away from her ivory tower. Right. Then, da-da-da-da-da, he kidnaps her. She ends up he runs, helping. He has to run away, takes her hostage. Yeah, he takes her hostage. Yeah. They run away. And at the very end, they become Bonnie and Clyde, and they rob from the rich and give to the poor. Right. Tell me about their romance Believable, likable, anything. At the beginning, she doesn't like him. She's scared because he took her hostage. And so, you know, he has this kind of like bad boy appeal, unknown factor. Mm -hmm. And I think I believe her at the beginning, like being leery of. But I think I believe their arc, especially when Justin Timberlake is trying to get her dad to pay a ransom of a million years to his hometown of poor people. And, you know, once the dad does not pay it, she realizes her dad doesn't care about her like she thought. And this guy might understand real life a little better. I believe their arc into growing closer together. And I don't know. I I thought it was good. I was never once taken out by their romance. What about you? Yeah, I think it is 
okay. I like... It's okay, yeah. I'm more like that she learns from him how the real world... Like, he takes her out of the ivory tower, shows her sort of the... Shows her the slums, shows her what's going on there, and she sees the broken system that they all live in, the dystopianness. And I like that. Now... Their romance, like, do I think they have a love to last the years? No, not really. <laughs> no, probably not. It's about as good as, like, a Princess Leia Han Solo sort of yeah. relationship. It's good. It was enough to, like, believe them working together and, and push the plot forward. Like, I was all good with that. I was good with it. Why did I play strip poker with you? Why did you? Let's talk about Justin Timberlake as an actor real quick throughout this yes. whole movie. Yes. Do you think he's a good actor? And I, I'm not trying to lead you anywhere. I really do want to know because I'm unsure myself. If not for the terrible crying scene with his mom, I would say that Justin Timberlake did well in this movie. I believed the romance corner enough. That was fine. I you know, like how he move fast in the rich place and, you know, working through all that and seeing him in moments like at the poker table. I thought he was very effective in those moments. Like that is mm-hmm. acting. And in his altruism towards the people of his town, you know, if we ask the question, who might've been better in this role? I feel like maybe you could, uh, you get a Matt Damon, a Mark Wahlberg, someone like that. But I don't think they mm-hmm. would have done that. Because you've literally seen Matt Damon in Elysium. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I wouldn't have said they would have done exponentially or even that much better. I feel like they would have been maybe a little better. But Justin Timberlake did really good. And I I would watch him in another movie, dystopian future or not. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I thought he was okay in it. I think the problems with him is more of a character thing Mm -hmm. rather than an acting thing because for example the death of his mom is supposed to motivate him and his motivation throughout this is pretty singularly focused for a bit where he says like i want to tear it all down right right he doesn't kind of refer back to like his mom dying so some of that sort of leaves him and it becomes more about all right gotta like steal this money like at first he's very against stealing the money and then he's like all right i'm gonna steal from rich people and then i'm gonna steal from banks i found his motivation to kind of be a moving target throughout the whole thing and it didn't quite his character ended up seeming a little one-sided just a good protagonist and not a very deluxe character (laughs) deluxe character not deluxe you know like he doesn't have tomato and sour cream he's just like the regular soft taco gotcha Okay, I mean, I get you. It's fine. I get you. It's fine. You, would you see him again in another movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I th- and he was good in Social Network. Oh, I forgot he was in that movie. He was the guy who said, like, you know what's cooler than a million dollars? A billion dollars. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was really good in that movie, actually. I remember that. Yeah. You should call it The Facebook. Anyway. He's also <laughs> the good, uh, he's also a good voice in Trolls. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in Zion TV. The animated movie. <laughs> I've never seen Trolls. Sorry. So the movie comes to a climax you know, they steal a million years from her dad. Oh, there's this scene, too, where they actually f- finally get to the dad past all the bodyguards. And there's this moment where mm-hmm. Amanda Seyfried is... That's how I said it, right? I said it right? You did it. She's like... Say it with confidence. She's like, hey, dad, got a lot of bodyguards. And they all turn around towards her. She's like, but it looks like you got one more. And then Justin Timberlake 
reveals himself as one of the guys in the bodyguards and says, everybody put their guns down. And I'm like, there are 20 guys around Justin Timberlake. You're telling me that none of them, like all together, could not have taken Justin Timberlake down in that moment? I didn't believe it. They that. couldn't have shot him before he shoots him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was ridiculous. For a dystopian future, it does not seem like the system is quite ready for two people with a gun to do anything. Right. They are disrupting a dystopian civilization with two handguns and it's like wait hold on a second everyone i know everyone who's like rich is afraid of dying because they have a ton of a lot to lose but like shouldn't a lot of people have tried this before just like all right i'm not going to pay the toll to get to the areas i'll just shoot the toll person or like yeah i'm just going like the the cops just have regular guns where is the minority report kind of tech (laughs) that shows me that like before now insurrection was impossible does that make sense yeah no it's true it's true because they just like they stole from her dad a million dollars whatever and they didn't really do too much like yeah he had glasses on he put the gun to him and they just kind of walked him towards the there's no like pressure sensitive thing that just like neuralizes everyone when they enter a room they're not supposed to be in or a safe is just a six digit code or whatever i think it made it's because people need creative space to be innovative mm. and when everyone is just concerned about how much time is left on their arm yes this is what you get uncreative uninspired tech oh you know what i'm saying i see what you're saying with your soft voice that's right that's right. okay okay so we approach the end of this movie the detective has still been after them and we get to this final scene where everybody's running everybody's running away everyone runs a lot in this everybody movie runs a lot the oh detect- real quick real quick oh, yeah. yeah i'm yeah. sorry i'm sorry to derail you no 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 go ahead amanda seyfried runs in heels so much in this movie long long heels that i turned to Jill and I said, why does she not take those shoes off right. and run barefoot? Yeah. It's not like <laughs> she's running on asphalt, which is not right, great, exactly. but you're not going to get very, like if you're running for your life, yeah, I would kick off my pants if they were hindering me. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you will die if you don't move faster. Right. And she runs with heels on. I just have to say, why did you do this? Which I will answer my own question with, I read in some sort of, special features that the ground was pretty rough and would hurt her feet in real life. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. So they run, everyone's running now trying to escape. And then detective finally catches them. And the detective realizes he forgot to add more time to his clock and unceremoniously drops them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no fight scene, no struggle. He just dies. That's it. I like his character because he represents someone who fighting for the system but with a type of nobility he's not greedy he doesn't take the bribe right from philippe sure he's truly believes he's doing the right he's keeping the time Right. right but i would have liked at the end him to have some realization that like actually this is not a good system right and then drops dead. He kind of just lives out his life. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to mention the scene I forgot when the Minutemen finally come for Justin Timberlake and he does the yes. arm wrestle with the Minutemen guy. Uh-huh. Very cool scene. Very fun. Yeah. It, it did have that gun in his boot. He had a gun in his boot. Probably could have used that sooner 
Instead you of having thought. to wrestle this guy. <laughs> You'd have thought. See, maybe he was very confident. So Detective Guy drops dead at the end. They only have like one minute left. Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. Mm-hmm. And they realize there's some time left in the detective's car. And so we have another running scene. Mm-hmm. Just throw, you know, throwing back uh, to A reprise? A reprise. A reprise of Justin Timberlake and his mom. Now it's Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried running at each other. But this time, spoiler they make it, and she's. Can alive. you imagine if they didn't? What that would? Oh, we'd have I'm, one. We'd have to see Justin Timberlake cry again, which is yeah. would be hard for all of us. And two, yes. If you're that character, I don't know if you could survive not making it to two women you love. Yeah, you would just let your clock run out at that point. I would think. I mean, <laughs> you just arm tough. wrestle yourself and just drain <laughs> Can you yourself. Can you drain it out of yourself? Yeah. So you know, fine. And then they become Bonnie and Clyde, and they're gonna break into Fort Knox of time. You know, whatever that big building is at the end. So that's the movie. The end. Moral of the story. Let me tell you something interesting and something not as interesting. Uh Uh-huh. The interesting part is the first half of this movie. Yes. Where it becomes like, how did we get here? Matt Bomber, Uh Henry Hamilton, says, what you don't know is that they're trying to make sure that a lot of people die. Right. Because if we all had enough money, we'd all live forever, and then where would the new people go? Yeah, there's not enough space on the earth. And so he speaks at the beginning of the movie like, if you delve down deep enough, you'll find a ne- like the nefarious plot. Right. Like You'll find the genetic people behind this. And I was so excited the first time, and even this time, to be like, yeah, what is the thing that he will discover Right. that will be like, here's the conspiracy behind everything? Or here's like, they need a certain amount of people to die as part of the quota. Like, that's like the dystopian part it's of like it. It's like a Soylent Green situation or something. Yeah, exactly. Instead, it really becomes, the second half is just like, yeah, these people are just trying to keep, keep rich and uh, capitalizing with loans on the poor, which, yep. I see the tie-in to our world. Like, I see the tie-in to, like, sure, sure. people, predators on those who don't have enough, and it perpetualizes poverty. But, like, that all makes sense to me. It's sort of like they went from a really fun dystopian thing to kind of just a, shouldn't these wealthy, rich people share some of their money with the poor people? Which, in some ways, I think it's very interesting to talk about capitalism and socialism when you relate money to life when you tie it in together yeah maybe i'm speaking out of turn but i'd be like yeah everyone should have the right if we had the 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 power to everyone should live at least 60 years or whatever universal basic lifespan yeah exactly i believe i believe in universal lifespan is at least like a minimum right that like people are when you turn 25 that you should get like a bank and you don't you stop paying with money or something or stop paying with time like reintroduce money again or something yeah i like that as a premise but i do think that it goes from being fun conspiracy dystopian to just like the bonnie and clyde thing's not satisfying for me at the end and i'm not exactly sure the moral other than because at the beginning you showed all right, you gave this guy 10 years and it went poorly for him. But at the end, it's like, we give everyone 10 years and like hope it goes well for them instead (laughs) of actually tearing down the system. Like he doesn't really tear down the system because the the main wise guy says, well, in a generation or two, it'll all just reconnect. It'll all just recorrect back to Darwinian capitalism. I get that. And that could be one of the ideas is putting forth. I think 
for me, a, a moral that I would take away is the idea that what amount of your lifespan, your time, is worth whatever financial success or things that you could buy, like what is it worth? Mm. And how many years would you take off the end of your life to have things now? And are those things worth it? You know, I think at, at, at the most altruistic level, maybe that's a moral it's trying to communicate. Of, and also about taking chances in life, too, is that the if you're viewing your, your money as your entire security and your entire, it just becomes like, oh, I need to amass as much as possible in order, you know, to save myself. Right. Then you aren't really doing, like Henry Hamilton says, and even um, Amanda Seyfried says, what we're doing is not living. Right. We're just in like a stasis trying to preserve a life that maybe isn't even worth preserving. She accuses her dad, I'm not sure you've ever lived a day in your life, <laughs> which, you know, it's a little tropey, but, yeah. you know, it's not bad. It's not a bad idea to ask yourself. Although I do wonder, Father, if you've ever lived a day in your life. I'm sure he has lived a day in his life. He is a hundred some, so if you're going to say, I mean... But, you know, you get the sentiment. Yeah, you get it. You know, if if every day of your life is just about making more money slash time, have you really done anything to live? You know, I think that's the idea. But as far as a... I like that moral. But wouldn't it have been a cooler movie if we had found that the dad was population controlling more obviously like up on his board instead of controlling money he was more like we got to make sure for everyone who you know who lives 10 plus more years that another one dies yeah we got it someone's got to die yeah and there's like that mysterious phone call he has with like waveforms on a big screen and you're you know you're supposed to assume like yeah, oh, this give is me the more of that one. yeah that's the secret that's specter you know that's the, those are the guys behind the the wall because at the end i want I want the Bonnie and Clyde thing to be we're about to take down Spectre, not right. we're just about to steal a ton of years. <laughs> right. It yeah. feel, feels hollow just to do years because I already heard the bad guys say, like, you can steal as many years as you want. Right. We're still going to make sure that this cast system stays in right. place. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got to rate this movie, Nate. Okay. On a scale of zero to five earrings, where Amanda pawns off her earrings so they can survive a few more hours and then i like how justin timberlake steals someone else's earrings to give back to her later in the movie that's a nice touch but what would you give this movie nate scale of zero to five earrings i'm gonna give this movie two and a half earrings it is an amazing concept the execution in the second half of the movie leaves a little bit to be desired actually leaves a lot to be desired i understand why it's not highly rated at all the the concept is so fun i'd love to talk about more with you and with others about what it would be like to have time right on your arm and i also have to say this concept would make for a great tv show if there hasn't already been an in time or insert better title here tv show in this dystopian world i would watch the poo out of it (laughs) i agree i think it would be better as a tv show honestly Yep. All right. Get the well, Apple TV Plus. Yeah, right. I'm going to give this movie. I have Tom in my head. I feel like I need to go to a whole number. So I'm going to go two. Stephen, did you like this movie at all? I, I still don't exactly know what you thought about this movie. Me neither. Me <laughs> neither. I think I liked moments of it. Rewatchability. I don't know if I care to see this again. Would I recommend this to people? 
not high on the list, but it is an interesting premise. Again, I would want someone that I would have time to talk to about it, watch it for the sake of the premise. Right. But I don't know about recommending it just as a movie to watch. Again, very stressful first half. <laughs> Doesn't leave much uh, at the end to make you feel great or give you much of a conclusion. So I think two earrings for me. Okay. Listeners, let us know what you thought. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it if you have a Prime subscription for free. Comment on our Instagram at Movies on the Side. Also, don't forget you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Movies on the Side. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. As we always say, Do I really want to spend my life trying not to die by mistake? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, fine.